Well, good morning. Isn't God so good? Man, he is just... <clears throat> when I think about what God's doing here at Bethany, um, I get even more excited because I think about what God's doing around our country and what he's doing around our nation. And um, if you didn't know, today there was just a call to action to pray for our president. And... Um, I know that some of you may be sitting in here and you may not agree with all of the stances or decisions that our president has made, but can I just say the scriptures doesn't tell us to only pray for those in leadership that we agree with. It actually says to pray for all, to pray for those who are in places of leadership. So whether you agree or whether you don't, that really doesn't matter. We've been called by God as believers and followers of Jesus to lift up those in places of office, whether on the local level, to the state level, to the national level. And uh, I was listening to something the other day and they were just talking through the immense weight of every president and what they carry. They said if you look at the initial picture of all of our presidents of past, they always have the picture showing of how they looked when they went in. And then you look at the picture of that person when they go out, you'll notice some things about them. From gray hairs that were not there, to wrinkles, to just the weight of it. And to think about the President of the United States, and to think about the weight of the whole free world resting upon the shoulders of that one person, and the toll that that could take. And I, I can tell you this, that if, if the President whoever that may be in that time, does not turn that weight over to the Lord, they will carry a burden that will crush them. Our job as believers is to pray that our leaders will have encounters with God. Because we know this, one encounter with Jesus can change everything. So this morning, before we get into the message, I want to have a moment of prayer together for our president. And like I said, I'm not asking you to join in prayer because you agree with all the stances and decisions he's made. I'm asking you to pray for him because he has been elected to an office that I believe carries much weight, and I believe God desires to speak to President Trump. I believe that God has a better plan than any political advisor around him, that God's plan and God's will, if unfolded in the life, because President Trump is hearing that clearly, could change everything. We are in a crossroads as a nation, and I believe that God desires to do a work. So would you this morning just join me in a moment of prayer as we pray together and lift up. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the privilege that we have to live in a free nation. We thank you for the freedom that each and every one of us get to enjoy in our lives, freedom as Americans. And God, we even come off of this Memorial Day weekend in the past and we are reminded of those who gave their lives for that freedom. And we thank you for them. But God, right now in particular, we focus in on one moment and one time and we ask right now that you would speak clearly to President Trump. I pray, God, that he would allow his own agendas and the agendas to others to just fall to the side and that he, God, would truly surrender to you and have a radical encounter with you. 
I pray, God, that he would hear clearly your voice. I pray, God, that he would hear clearly, God, the decisions that you are asking him to make and how he is to walk those out. We pray, God, that you would guard his mind. You would put a hedge of protection around him from those who would try to bring harm. I pray, God, that you would guard his tongue, that moments where maybe some of the, the man would want to rise up, that, God, that you would silence that and allow your spirit to rise up. God, we pray that you would give him wisdom, that you would give him direction, and that you would give him guidance. This Sunday, God, we know that there has been a call to prayer and that churches across this nation are praying. And so, Father, we lay down our political differences. We lay down the, the things that we would say we're for or even against. And we pray, God, for that man, that you would speak to him clearly and that he would become even more godly and even more of a man after your own heart. God, we thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you for your spirit that's at work. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, it's interesting when you think about what is going on in our nation and you see the unity and disunity that's happening. Parties unifying together under common things of frustration. And yet, those parties unifying together, but yet disunifying our nation. You see these moments that are unfolding, and a few weeks back I talked about how the miracle could be a place of, if the church was a place of unity. In fact, if I can just challenge us once again, we are called to be a place of unity. The body of Christ is to be unified together. And that comes when we guard our own hearts, when we guard our own tongues, when we allow our needs of ourselves to be put to the side and we actually begin looking to the needs of others. It's interesting when you look at the things that Jesus modeled for us throughout his life, he modeled for us things that seemed very contrary to the culture around him. To take on the role of a servant and to wash the feet of another was so contrary to the culture of that time. As a rabbi, he would have been one who he should have been the one having his feet washed. He should have had the best place at the table. He would have been the one that others would have gone to serve. But yet Jesus in that moment takes on the role of the servant. And it's in him taking on that role that everything begins to change. He begins to model for his disciples, those closest to him and to others, what it means to serve others even your enemies, even one who would betray him, and yet he still serves. I wonder how many of us have ever found ourselves in a place where we would see our lives in a moment of maybe not serving others, but desiring to be served. It's interesting when we think about this do you believe in miracles, this when pigs fly moment. It's interesting to think about that because what happens is, is as we begin to process through that, Immediately, for many of us, we immediately think of our own needs. The miracle I need. The miracle of provision I need. The miracle of healing I need. The miracle of sound mind that I need. The miracle of a restored relationship. And what Jesus models for us is a model of not looking for our own, but looking to the needs of others. 
Now, I'm not saying we can't make our requests made known to the Lord. In fact, last week we were talking about that. The scriptures tell us to ask. And when we ask in the name of Jesus, the, the scriptures actually talk about how he sees our heart and, and gives us the desires of our heart. Like in that moment, he's meeting the needs. He shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. And so some of us are sitting here today, and, and if I was asked you the question, do you need a miracle, you would immediately say yes. But I wonder when the last time was we began to think about the miracles that are needed in other people's lives. You ever been in a place where you didn't understand what was going on and it caused frustration? And yet at the same time, maybe you found yourself in a place where it seemed like everything was falling right into place and you began to forget about the needs that were around you. Ever been in a place where you needed a miracle of provision? Provision of resources, provision of finances, maybe, maybe provision of a relationship being restored. I remember when Kasha and I first moved to Michigan years ago, I had the privilege of working for an amazing pastor. His name is Pastor Dave Williams. And one of the things that sitting underneath his leadership began to grow inside of me that had never really been cultivated was this idea of faith. This idea of miracles really do happen. Of this idea of pigs fly type moments happen all the time. A few days ago, uh, I was getting ready in my... Uh, bathroom and uh, looked down at my sink and one of the things I noticed at my sink was two pigs with wings on them and uh, my wife had gone to the dollar store and had seen these pigs fly ceramic things and all of a sudden they show up in my bathroom and I'm processing through like okay I hope that someone in my family got these in here because if not that's going to be really freaky <laughs> So I asked Kasha quite a few days later, and she's like, oh, I didn't, even, I didn't even know if you'd even recognize them. I'm like, yeah, I recognize them. She's like, I got those at the dollar store. I couldn't even help it. And, and I'm afraid to even share that story with you, so I'll just beat you to the punchline. Don't go and buy a whole bunch of dollar pigs and put them all over the place, you know? Um, though that would have been funny if she would have bought more than two. Like, she should have just put them all over the bed, you know? Oh, Dollar General. Oh, were they a dollar? No, they weren't a dollar. You spent $3 on those dumb things? I'm glad you only got two. But the thing that Pastor Dave always taught me about was this idea of faith and really about miracles, and particularly, he would really talk about a lot this miracle of provision. In some ways, people would have said probably that Pastor Dave was one of those prosperity preachers. Um, but what I found out as I served alongside him and sent underneath his teaching for a long time was, was not so much this idea of prosperity teaching where it's like, if you just give, you know, God will give back. He just simply had recognized that there is a scriptural pattern, a scriptural principle that's in play. When you plant seed in the ground, it brings harvest. And so he would always tell us, listen, if, if you want to see harvest in your life, then plant seed. And he said there is no greater place to plant seed than in the work of the kingdom. He's like, it, it goes beyond planting seed in our families. It goes beyond planting seeds in, in our communities. He's like, plant seeds in the kingdom. 
Because they're, the kingdom is eternal. The kingdom of God goes beyond even, even our families. It, it, it is something that's constantly in, uh, reaching families around not only this community, but around the world. And I remember sitting in staff meetings in different moments and listening to it, and some of the things that he would say, and maybe not in particular, this was kind of the idea of it, but where God resides, he provides. This idea that where God is in the midst, God's always providing. If, it, if it's his vision, then he's going to provide. He, he would say things like this, and I, I remember this specifically. He'd say, you don't have a money problem, you have a faith problem. Because so many times we think, well, I got a money problem, and that's why I can't give more. And God's like, no, no, you have a faith problem. It has nothing to do with your current resources. It has everything to do with your current lack or a measure of faith. We'll just say measure of faith, not lack. Because where your measure of faith is determines what you're willing to plant and what you're willing not to. Now, I'm not saying this for my own benefit. I'm telling you that this is a principle that Kasha and myself have learned in our own lives. We've watched it in the lives of others where people have trusted God and acted in faith and seen God take care of them in ways that would blow their mind, pigs fly type moments where they would literally look at things in their bank account and go, that does not make any sense mathematically, but yet, I don't know how that happened, but this month, this is where we're at. And what God, I think, so many times is trying to do is to get us to understand in our life that it's not about what we have to offer, but it's about what He has. It's about the fact that God has always been moving and working already, even in the midst of your circumstances. Remember when Pastor Dave would say to me, he'd say, you know, Brian, you have to understand something. The reality is, is that God is your provider, not the church. And, and I remember those moments going, but it's the church that, like I'm working for the church, that's where I get my paycheck from. And, and he would say, no, Brian, <laughs> it's, not, it's not about the church. It's about God. And, and I wonder this morning, um, as we're in this series, When Pigs Fly, I wonder of how, how many of us actually really get that. Some of us, the, the challenge is, is that we got more month than we got money, huh? You know what I mean by that? You got more bills than you got money. You got more miles than you got money. You can look at it, and it's interesting. It's not, it's not about just having more money. You can look at people. I know people who have six-figure incomes, and they still are tight on money. People who you would look at and go, man, like, what in the world? But yet they, they still are tight on money. From college debts to medical bills to insurance payments to kids' sports teams to vacations. I mean, all those things that would be vying for our attention, vying for our resources. And for many of us here today, your greatest need for a miracle isn't in your physical body. It's not in your mind. It's not even spiritually. It, you would look at it and go, it is in my finances. It's in my resources. And so today what I want to talk to you about is this idea of a miracle of provision. In fact, provision by definition would be this. It would be the act or process of providing. The fact or state of being prepared beforehand, a measure taken beforehand to deal with a need, or a stock of needed materials and supplies. 
So think about that for a minute this morning. For many of us, we would look at it and go, yes, I have, I'm, I'm, I'm in need of provision. So you are in need of, of the process of having provision, of providing in some way. We love it when it's prepared beforehand. And, and we love it when it comes from a stock of some needed materials and resources. Now, miracle by definition, and we defined this last week, we said is this, it's a moment where the impossible becomes possible, where a moment where God intervenes, a moment that causes wonder and produces astonishment. So, so if we were to take those two definitions and put them together, we would say this, a miracle provision is this, a moment of wonder where God intervenes by providing what we need. So a moment of wonder where God intervenes by providing what we need. And I wonder for how many of us this morning we would look at that and we'd say that's exactly what I'm in need of. I need God to intervene in a moment that would cause wonder and provide what we need. Throughout the scriptures we learn about men and women who experienced a miracle of provision. In fact, if you were to look throughout the scriptures, you would read story after story of men and women who had a moment where God intervened, a moment where God provided for the very needs that they had. Their stories are filled with needs. In fact, here's what I would say. In every story of need, there's a miracle of provision. So if you're in need today, guess what? There's a miracle of provision that God has. I think if we would think of it that way and go, okay, I have a need, not look at it as, oh my goodness, I can't believe this. This is happening, this is happening, this is happening, oh my goodness, this happened, and all of a sudden now, our joy is sucked from us. We walk around with our heads held down, you know, oh my goodness, I didn't get paid by this client, this moment didn't happen, this moment didn't happen. Can I just tell you, in a moment of need, that's where God always shows up. If you don't have a need, then God, God the, how does God come onto the scene? But it's in the need, in those moments of need, that God shows up and says, hey, I got a miracle, a provision for you. Now, here's the thing about provision. The caveat that we got to understand is that the provision is his provision, not your provision. Now, what that means is he provides, and sometimes it doesn't look like you, because he doesn't sit up there in heaven and go, oh, well, I wonder how they would like it. And I'm glad he does not think about what I want. <laughs> Actually thinks about what he knows is best. Think about your young child for a moment or your grandchild for a moment. When they're little, they many times have no reference point to how much sugar intake is too much. <laughs> Am I right? Yesterday we're sitting in an open house and they have this cupcake stand and there's all these cupcakes and little boy comes over there and he really wants a cupcake and asks mom and dad can I have a cupcake and dad makes the funny comment if I give you a cupcake then you're gonna have to go home with somebody else they go and they get him a cupcake and as he's eating the cupcake the cupcake falls over and hits the ground and so then they get another cupcake and the little kids eating all these cupcakes and eating the sugar and then all of a sudden he's got a lot of energy and he's running around and just going crazy, right? But as parents, one of the things that we have to recognize is, okay, that's enough. Now that kid would say all day long, I just need more. If you could just give me the world's giant cupcake, I would be happy. 
But yet we as parents know, well, that's not going to be wise for you to have that cupcake. Red dye number four, not good. I don't even know if that's true, but it just sounded, sounded right. But in every story of need, there is always a miracle of provision. So think about just some of these, these big stories throughout the Scripture. Think about the feeding of the 5,000. The need is the people are hungry. So Jesus looks at his disciples and says to them, you feed them. Could you imagine being the disciples like, uh, well, I don't think we got enough. Oh, I guess they didn't have pants. Well, satchel, I, I don't know. Anyways, that doesn't matter. But... They did, in their minds, they would say, we do not have enough resources to take care of the need. We are in need of a provision. So finally, the disciples realize, okay, well, we've got five loaves and we've got two fish. And what does Jesus do? He multiplies it. There's literally 12 baskets of food left over, 12 doggy baskets, 12, 12 you know, to-go containers at the end of the miracle that is happening. It's, it's this great, incredible moment. Think about the prophet Elisha, who's talking to the widow. Basically, she says, we're going to eat our last meal and then we're going to die. She's scared about her future. And he asks her, the prophet asks her, what do you have? She says, I don't have anything, just a small jar of olive oil. And he asks her to pour it. And he basically says to her, as long as you have containers to fill, it will continue to pour. And what happens? The miracle happens of God's provision. This small just continues to fill. And she, the, her son goes and gets more containers. And what happens? A miracle of provision. Think about bread daily from heaven for the Israelites. Manna on the ground. Think about Jonah. He was thrown overboard. Now, I know many times we look at it and we go, man, Jonah, like, his part of his punishment was the fact that he had to, you know, be swallowed by a whale. What if that punishment that we would look at as punishment, what if that was actually saving him? They threw him overboard in the middle of the ocean. What happens if you're on a cruise ship and you fall off the cruise ship in the middle of the ocean? You die. You're dead. That's why some people won't go on cruise ships. I get nervous. Some of those people get a little intoxicated by the end of the night and they're over by the ledge and you're just like, oh my goodness. I'm going to fall off this boat. We're never going to see from you again. What if Jonah's, what we would think punishment, was actually God's sovereignty? What if the thing that Jonah was like, this is horrible. These living circumstances are horrible. I'm in the belly of a fish. It stinks down here. What if that was actually God's provision? See, in every story there is a need. In every story of need there is a miracle of provision. Philippians 4.19 says it this way. It says, and my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now that's good news for us. Because it's not based upon your needs, or I mean, it's not based upon your resources. It's not based upon what you bring to the table. It's based upon what he brings to the table. God is the giver of all good things. He provides abundantly. And it's important to notice this, 
It does not say, and my God will meet all of your wants according to his riches and glory. It says he'll provide all of your what? Your needs. There's a big difference between what we need and what we want. <laughs> my boys want really sweet shoes. What do they need? Sketchers. I know some of you are wearing Skechers right now, and you're like, what's wrong with my Skechers? <laughs> exactly, that's what I'm saying. But man, you can, go, you can go to Foot Locker or something like that, and you see the price of some of those shoes, and you're like, what? You're wearing around these brand new shoes, you know, it's like, oh, I can't feed the family, but man, I got the new kicks. <laughs> They're shining. There's a difference. For some of us, we want rest, right? Like, or we need rest. We need rest. And so we're like, man, I need a vacation. But you want that vacation to be an all-inclusive resort. You want to take the cruise for, you know, 12-day cruise to the Bahamas or over in Europe or whatever. And God's like, yeah, you do need rest. But it may not come at the price that you think. You need shelter. And you're like, man, I need granite countertops in the kitchen. I need, you know, real nice bamboo hardwood floors throughout. I need the 4K television. I need the Sono system around. I need the three-car garage with my two cars in it. And then my Harley on the other side and the boat that I've been praying for and believing for because the Lord knows a man needs a boat in Michigan. <laughs> How else could I have rest? But see, there's a difference between what we need and what we have. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down these three things that I'm going to be sharing with you. These are three provisions of God's miraculous provision, three principles of it. The first is this, is that when God guides, He always provides. See, the, the thing is, is if we would get in the, the lane, His lane, uh, jump into His river. My son loves the, the song that, you know, we come alive in the river. It's this worship song, Josiah. And uh, the other day he was upstairs playing Fortnite and listening to it, which is really weird. He's like killing people and he's like, we come alive in the river. <laughs> you know, like, he's, you know, all that. And, but there's this idea that when we're in the river, when we're in the lane that God has, then God's like, oh, you're right where I need you to be and all the provision you need is right here. I've got everything you need. See, when God guides he always provides now God doesn't provide all your dreams but he does provide for his will his plans he does provide for for your life the things that he has planned out for you some of you may say this you may say man God's not God's not coming through for me right now he's not taking care of the house payment he's not taking care of the car payment the vacation I'm still paying off Christmas from three years ago you can be sitting there processing through that. What, Pastor Brian, you tell me that God provides in the minutes of this. And what we have to remember is some of those things you find yourself in are not things God guided you to. Now that's the hard one. Because we, we really wish that God's provision was like a get out of jail free card, right? It's like we could cash it in every now and then. 
going around the circle of life or going around the, you know, the board of Monopoly and it's like you, you get that, you get sent into jail and you find yourself in a place of jail because you spent too much money. You, you, you put yourself in debt. You decided to buy too big of a house. Whatever it may be. And you want to put that in. But listen, there is no such thing as a get out of free card, you know, jail free card. There's no such thing as a you were stupid get, you know, out of stupidness card. There's nothing like that. <laughs> the good news is, is that when God guides, he always provides. Now, in the scriptures, we see this uh, really being played out with Abraham. Now, Abraham um, would have been considered, you know, one of our early fathers. He was this man who had been promised by God this incredible provision, and, and, uh, and that was that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars, that, that he would have a great impact. But yet, Abraham does not have a child, so then miraculously, him and his wife, Sarah, they have a child, and, and so he has the provision because he's been trusting God. God has guided him to that. And then he finds himself in a moment in Genesis chapter 22 where God tests Abraham. In fact, here's what it says. It says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. Basically, just say, hey, Abraham, you there? And sometimes what we want is we want God to keep going. But many times he's trying to see if you're just listening, so he just says your name. Kasha. He doesn't tell all the rest of it. He just tries to see if he can get you to listen on the first thing. And I wonder how many of us are like Abraham in this moment and we're missing it because we're not even answering to the name that he's calling us by. Now, a whole other sermon for a whole other time, but some of us, that could be because we don't even recognize when he's calling because when he's doing it with gentleness and with, you know, with love and compassion, we hear it as condemnation. We hear it as, I'm not good enough. And there's no way God would ever call me by name because you know, doesn't he know what I did this week? Doesn't he know the, the mistakes I've made? And we become that. But all that is happening in this moment is God's testing Abraham, and he just simply says, Abraham. And, and here's Abraham's response. Abraham says, here I am. Here I am. He doesn't say like, okay, God, like, yeah, what do you need? What's up? He just says, here I am. Then the Lord said to him, take your son, your only son, so the Lord even acknowledges to Abraham, listen, I know this is your only kid. Take your son, your only son, in fact, whom you love. Take Isaac and go to the region of Moriah. So he goes to the mountain, and this is where it gets pretty crazy because it doesn't just end there. Even though the pause and the break is here, if you were to continue reading, which we will here in a moment, what we see is there is something that he's being commanded, something he's being told by the Lord to do that does not make sense. And here we go. Sacrifice him as a burnt offering on the mountain that I will show you. Now that's a Willis moment. What you talking about, God? Because this does not make sense. I'm not understanding what you're saying here. What are you doing? But God puts Abraham to the test and says, take your son to the mountain. Sacrifice him. And as they're sitting there walking up to the mountain, just imagine little Isaac saying to dad, daddy, where's the sacrifice? In fact, here's how he says it. He says, the fire and the wood are here, 
For where's the lamb for the burnt offering? See, Isaac was very familiar with the idea of sacrifice. And what he understands is, is there's no sacrifice. So, Dad, what's going on? And I love Abraham's response. Verse 8, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. The two of them went on together. So they reached the mountaintop. Abraham courageously obeys God to the point where he literally raises his knife. His son is tied up on the offering. His son has willingly allowed himself to be in a place of sacrifice, which speaks to the father-son trust relationship there, which is crazy. We don't have time to unpack that. But literally, Abraham, with knife upraised, ready to kill his one and only son, his miracle of provision. And yet in that moment, finally, as Abraham's fixed on the will of God, as Abraham's fixed on, on, on saying, God, you're my provider, and you did a miracle already, I know you can do it again. If this is what you're asking, I will walk in obedience. But so many times, instead of us fixating on the will of God and where God's guiding us, we fixate on the lack or what we don't have. But I believe if we will pursue His will, then His provision will follow. Genesis twenty-two thirteen. as he's sitting here getting ready to do that, an angel of the Lord says to him, do not lay hand on the boy. I know that you fear God. And then in verse 13 it says, Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on that mountain of the Lord it will be provided. See, when God guides, he always provides. The second thing is this, is God's miraculously multiplies what's given. There are so many times in our lives where God miraculously supplies more for us. Think about it. Sending a fish to save Jonah was a, was a moment of miraculous provision. Bread from heaven. And sometimes what God wants to do is, I believe God wants to build our faith. We were singing about that earlier. I will build my life. Upon what? Upon your rock. It is a firm foundation. It's a declaration of saying, not upon the things of this world. No, my faith is in you and you alone. And sometimes what we want to do is we want to build our own faith upon our own, you know, our own comfort. Well, if I had enough money in the bank, and man, if I could just have, you know, a year's worth of, you know, uh, money in the bank to provide for all the things that I have and the needs I have, man, then I'll, then I'll finally be at peace. And God's saying, that could go in a moment. Build your life upon me. He asks us to give. He asks us to trust. And here's the beauty is when we give, then he multiplies. So the story earlier I was talking about, about the widow who gives of the oil, what happens is, is when she's willing to give, God multiplies what she has. When the young boy gives the five loaves and two fish he has, he gets to walk home with 12 basketfuls. Now, we don't know in particular if that's what happened, but, but why would they not? Why would they not have been like, hey, thanks, thanks, young man. Man, you really helped us out. Man, if you didn't have that, I don't know what we would have done. Here you go. Why don't you take these 12 baskets? In fact, 
hey, you boys over here, carry these 12 baskets home. And that boy goes home, and mom's like, what's all this from? He's like, man, it was awesome. God multiplied. When Abraham became the father of nations and offered his first and only son, what did God do? Multiplied it. God doesn't want us to be in a moment where this is like some prosperity gospel or anything like that. You give $100 to God and he'll give you a luxury BMW outside right when you give it. In fact, come and bring the money down to the altar. <laughs> We're not talking about that, okay? What we need to recognize though is that scripture is very clear that God miraculously multiplies what is given. 2 Corinthians 9.10 says it this way, This generous God who supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals, is even more extravagant towards you. He goes on to say, first he supplies every need plus more, then he multiplies the seed as you sow it. See, this principle goes all the way back to the tithe, which predates the law. And I know some of you are like, man, tithing's not, you know. Tithing was before the law. So tithing has been a principle that's been in place. Melchizedek, you know, tithe. Like, like there, there, it has been a principle from the very beginning. And we can sit here and argue about it all day long, but here's the thing. You can't argue about the fact that God has miraculously taken care of me and my life throughout the years. And one of the constant things has always been this miracle of provision that has come in my life and in Kasha's life, and it has come, I believe, as a direct result of our obedience in tithing. Tithing is simple. It's returning to God 10% of the 100% that he already owns. Okay, did you get that? It's given 10% back of the 100% that he already owns. Some of you are sitting there going, 10%? No way! God, God knew it would be an issue for you and me. And that's why he said, so put me to the test. Put me to the test and see if I will not open up the storehouses of heaven. Test me. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven upon your life. Test me and see that I am good. Test me in this area. This is the one area he says test. See, the real miracle of provision is, is this, and this is what, this is the pig's fly moment, okay? This is, this, is what, this is what does not make sense. I'm telling you, it doesn't make sense. But here's what's crazy. The pig's fly moment, here we go with tithing, is that the 90% goes further than the 100%. I'm just telling you. Like, it is crazy. It does not make sense. It's like a pig's fly moment. You're like, this does not make sense. But God has a way of allowing that 90% to go further. People are always like, man, you and, you and Kasha are always getting these great deals. I love it. The other day I was uh, with, with a good friend of mine and we were thrift store shopping. Uh-huh. And um, we were in there and he's been going through a pretty tough time in his life and one of the things is, is he, he uh, had just gotten to a place where him and his wife were walking through a really hard season and they were dividing things up in their home and it looks like they're going to be um, getting divorced and everything. And, and he said, man, one of the things that was really a big struggle was that she was going to keep all the pots and pans and she had these really nice all clad pans that they had all put all their money into and he said I was sitting there and he's like man I really wanted those pans and I knew she really wanted those pans and I knew that she really needed them and he's like I wanted just to say something that moment but he said I just felt like the Lord said to me I will take care of you 
And so he said, I just released it and said, you can have it, you can have all of it. We're sitting there at the thrift store, and all of a sudden he walks through and he picks up a pan, and it's this pan, it's literally the same exact pan that he had just in that moment done, and he got it for $7, this all-clad pan. And literally he's just like in the thrift store like, Woo! Yeah! Like, this is awesome, man! God provides! Like, like that moment's unfolding in there. Why? And I, I believe a lot of times it's like us just trusting God in the midst of the moments that we're facing. God has been faithful to our church throughout the years. Our church, you know, has been struggling at different times. And, and even throughout this lower level, I, I, I will say this. The lower level project has taken a toll. It's, it's taken a toll on the staff. It's taken a toll on volunteers, like just on energy level. It's taken a toll on our finances. We've had to dig into reserves to be able to pay for things. And yet, you know what I see God doing constantly? Saying, you know what, I, I got you. So we, we invested a, a, around $21,000 on good to great. Um, so we went out on one Friday and went out and showed God's love in a practical way. $21,000 going out across our community through random acts of kindness, right? And then just like two weeks ago, someone who doesn't attend our church, they just attend here every now and then, but they live outside of the area. The Lord had been speaking to them and they wrote a check for $20,000. Yeah. Which is awesome. And you may say, man, I wish I could write a check for $20,000. Can I just tell you, I, I know uh, this person's life and everything, and you would not ever look at them and go, oh, man, they, they just live a life where they could just easily write a $20,000 check. No, it, it was a great sacrifice. But the Lord clearly spoke to them, and they said, I'm going to get in God's plan and get in the vein that God has. And they're going to trust him in that. Why? Because they know that the seed that God has asked them to plant can be multiplied in even a more incredible way. This church is 100% debt-free. We're investing in extravagant generosity in our community. We're sending kids and youth to camp. We're planning new churches across the nation. There are moments that are happening because people have said, you know what, I believe that what God multiplies really comes down to this, it's what you gave. So maybe the challenge isn't so much the resource, it's just are you willing to give? In every story of need, there's a miracle of provision. And when God guides, he always provides. And God always miraculously multiplies what is given. And the last thing is this, is you might be a part of God's miracle provision. Here's what I mean by that. You might be a part of God's miracle provision. What if you were the answer to the person's need sitting right next to you? What if... That moment of you trusting God with a pig's fly type moment, what if you are a part of that miracle provision? 2 Corinthians 9:11, Paul says it this way, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. When you give, think about it, it's not just, it's just not impacting someone here. I mean, it's impacting people's lives around the world. Think of the missionaries and what God's doing in and through them. Someone's marriage here at Bethany was restored because you gave. Someone who couldn't pay the rent or was struggling in a moment was able to get some help in a moment because you gave. The need was met. Someone 
someone across the world gets a Bible in their own language because you gave. See, what I've found so many times in our lives is that fear asks us these questions. So fear asks this. Fear says, what if I run out? Now think about that for a minute. Fear asks this simple question. What if I run out? What if I run out of money? What if I run out of resources? What if I run out of those things? But what faith asks is faith says, what do I actually have to give? Fear says this. Fear says, I don't have enough. But faith, faith says, my God is more than enough. Fear says, I can't afford to tithe. But faith says, 90% with God's blessing goes further than 100% without. See, God will meet every need according to his riches and glory. Sometimes the miraculous is met through you and me. See, when God guides, he always provides. God miraculously multiplies what is given, and you might be a part of God's miracle of provision in somebody's life. Yeah, I know it seems like a pig's fly type moment, but I'm telling you, the miracle provision comes through you and I getting in the vein of what God's doing and recognizing that God will provide. And this morning, the real question comes down is, are we going to operate in fear, or are we going to operate in faith? See, God's a gentleman, so he doesn't force anything on us. He says, hey, you, you pick. What do you, what do you want to operate in, fear or faith? I have seen people try to hang on to everything they have, and, and then I've seen people who just live a life generously, open-handed. It's like, man, like I want to be like the generous, open-handed people who are just trusting God. I want to be like the person who gave the $20,000 gift and just said, you know what, we're going to trust God. Yeah, we got great need in our life, but we're going to trust God in this area. I've heard people say this to me, you know, Pastor Brian, like, you know, I'm waiting to get on board with the faith move till after I see everything done downstairs. And can I just say, I don't think that's faith. And I'm sorry. I got to see it, Pastor Brian before I'll give. That's not faith. Faith is saying, God, I'm going to trust you in this. I want to be a part of helping empower the next generation. I want to reach that next generation, so I'm going to sow and I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to give. I'm not saying this for my own benefit, trust me. God's my provider and he has taken such good care of us throughout our life and we trust him. But a pig's fly moment says, I'm going to operate in faith, not fear. So today, my question is simple. Faith or fear? So God, right now, across this room, I believe you're asking a simple question. Faith or fear? Will you operate in faith? operating fear. And Father, I pray, God, that your perfect peace that casts out all fear will be in this room, in this time, in these moments. God, what I believe is so awesome 
about you is that you speak to each and every one of our hearts in so many different ways. And so, Father, I just ask right now that across this room, you begin to speak into the hearts and lives of people. God, for some, it may be a moment of faith of just surrendering their life to you and saying, I am going to surrender my life. So, Jesus, would you forgive me of my sin? Would you be Lord of my life? I'm going to put my faith in you. Others, it may be a moment of putting their faith in you in regards to their finances. Saying, God, I'm going to trust you in this area. I'm going to have faith. I'm going to exercise it. Maybe for some, it's in a relationship where they're saying, I'm going to, I'm going to put this relationship that I've been trying to control, I've been trying to figure out, I've been trying to fix, I'm going to put it in your hands. I'm going to have faith in this moment. I'm not going to let fear dictate my life. So God, no matter where people are, pray, God, that you would meet with them right where they are. God, we thank you that you're a faithful God who walks with us in every season. And I pray, God, that you would walk through the seasons of life with each and every person here today. God, I speak a blessing over them today. God, that you would go with them and that you would go before them. I pray, God, that as they trust you in their life and walk in moments of faith, that they would understand this, that faith something that puts them right in line with what you're doing and God that you when you guide you always provide that God you take what's given and you miraculously always multiply God I thank you that we can be a part of being the provision for others around us when we simply trust you and operate in faith and not in fear in the name that is above all their names, I pray and speak these things. In Jesus' name.